Welcome to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. When people are injured due to negligence or while on the job, they need all the help they can get. Doctors Armin Feldman and Mike Bummer help ensure they get it. Join them as they discuss the newest medical subspecialty of medical legal consulting. Learn how attorneys can gain a competitive advantage in PI, workers' comp, and medical malpractice cases. Armin and Mike can help you better understand the medical issues in your cases, leading to larger settlement amounts and the best possible medical care for clients. They can help save you time and increase case value, all without breaking the bank. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Armin Feldman, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Dr. Mike Bummer. And uh, Mike, it's uh, good to be back in the studio. We had a couple of a week hiatus, and so we're off and running once again. It sure is, Armin. We, uh, we've both been busy, but it's nice to be back on air with you. Yeah. So uh, today, what we're going to do is I'm going to discuss a really interesting uh, workers' compensation case that I had. And um, as we had talked about, Mike, you're going to talk about one of the services that is uh, frequently requested by our attorney clients uh, regarding finding medical experts for them. Yep, that's exactly right. I think that as a consultant, uh, even though we, we teach medicine, help our attorneys understand the medicine uh, and medical problems of cases, what may not be a real obvious is that we're able to help them then find testifying and report writing uh, medical experts for their needs. Right. You know, just to clarify that. So, uh, of course, as you know, we act as medical legal consultants in cases and we're answering any kind of medical question that comes up in a case. So we're working pre-trial, pre-litigation. We're working on those approximately nine out of 10 cases that the attorneys negotiate and settle. But on those cases that they can't settle, of course, they're going to need medical experts in every area of injury. And uh, that's what you'll talk about. And who better to to play middleman there than, than one of their peers, a physician-to-physician conversation? So I'm looking forward to getting into that. Okay, great. Well... Uh, let, me, let me discuss uh, a really interesting case that I had recently. So, of course, as you know, one service out of many that we provide is to give our opinions regarding causation of traumatic injuries. And some attorneys ask us to provide opinion letters regarding a particular injury call, uh, caused in a work-related situation, a personal injury case, or in other circumstances. So this is a case uh, of a 29-year-old man uh, who suffered really substantial work-related cervical injuries due to a cumulative trauma disorder. And I was asked to address the question of possible on-the-job repetitive motion leading the uh, client to sustaining ruptured cervical discs with uh, associated symptoms and functional losses. So here was the situation. So this was kind of a uh, as my father might have said, this was kind of a double whammy. So <laughs> the, the, uh, the first thing that happened uh, is that um, he was asked to do a reorganization. This was an administrative assistant 
who was asked to do a reorganization of the company's filing system. And he spent hours in front of uh, a computer. And it turns out that um, ergonomically, he was just not positioned correctly uh, at his desk. And in fact, um, he was in this odd position where he had to actually look up towards his computer screen. And there's a really um, interesting uh, article uh, called uh, Neck and Shoulder Pain Related to Computer Use. And uh, I went uh, to this article and the authors uh, stated that people could have neck uh, and shoulder disorders or even more uh, serious things like cervical disc degeneration, nerve root compression, and uh, so forth. And the worker's poor posture uh, with the uh, consistent overload uh, of their neck and shoulder muscles can lead to all kinds of problems. And this guy was complaining of neck and shoulder pain um, and primarily, and he occasionally had a, a little numbness uh, in his neck. And what the authors in now, this Armin, article, real quick, the yeah. how over what period of time did the paper that you're referencing mention that these the these medical problems could arise? Right. So that's the interesting thing. In some uh, individuals, it's, it can be over a relatively short period of time. Uh, and I guess they're just differences in people's anatomy. And other uh, individuals, it's going to take uh, a longer time, weeks to months, for these things to happen. Uh, and the main thing that can happen is called cervical spondylosis, which, of course, you know, it just means wear and tear on the cervical discs. Okay. So... Uh, he had this wear and tear on his cervical discs and had some symptoms to prove that that was the case. So, so that was step one. Then after working on that, uh, his employer asked him to move several boxes. I mean, uh, actually, it was just a, a whole ton of boxes uh, that were containing files from, from the storage room into a different area where these files were shredded and then disposed of. So the way that this guy was given this job is a, a one-person job. So um, he, many of these file boxes were actually above his head. So he devised a, a way to get these file boxes moved. So Mike, what he did is he first, many of them were over his head, and, First, what he did is he balanced the box on his head. Then he kind of shuffled over to a table, put the box down on a table, and then lowered each box individually onto a dolly, moved several boxes by the dolly into the other room where the uh, papers were shredded. It sounds exactly like something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> he actually yeah, devised this system. Okay. And... Um, this whole thing, it actually took him a few weeks in order to get everything moved. And in another paper that I read called Cervical Spondylosis, an update, the authors said that 
repeated occupational trauma can contribute to the development of this cervical spondylosis. And apparently this happens, and the authors say, uh, when heavy loads are placed on heads or shoulders. And for example, dancers, gymnasts, uh, and uh, other uh, people uh, involved in their work where they may be balancing some heavy load on their head can get this. So it's actually pretty well documented and that can lead to this cervical uh, uh, spondylosis. But the big deal is that the cervical spondylosis, it kind of just, it can cause uh, ruptured discs, disc protrusions, and it can make that notch in between the vertebrae where the uh, nerves come out much, much smaller. And of course, that puts compression on the nerve roots. And that's exactly what happened to this guy. So um, of uh, his symptoms were bad enough that he eventually had an MRI. And the MRI report showed that um, he had at C5-6 and at C6-7, uh, he had disc herniations, and in fact, he had nerve root compression on those cervical ner nerves coming out. And he had, he had back pain, he had shoulder pain, he had paresthesias, in other words, numbness and, and tingling uh, in his arms. And in fact, like, he even had some uh, weakness um, in his uh, upper extremities from the nerve root compression. Did you run so, into any problems where they, or maybe did there exist any previous imaging that showed that those conditions were not a result of previous work or life experience? Yeah, you know, good question. Uh, but the uh, issue is that this was a 29, yes, 20, you're right. you know, yep. 29 year old man. Good point. So I just had to uh, put this whole thing together was that, first of all, he was set up by the poor ergonomics of his workstation. And then uh, he just capped it off uh, with uh, carrying these heavy boxes first on his head uh, and then maneuvering them down. And sure enough, there was evidence in the medical literature that this uh, is uh, uh, known to cause these types of problems. And so I wrote uh, an opinion letter regarding causation. It was my opinion to a reasonable degree of medical probability that the um, poor ergonomics and then the lifting of the boxes on the head was the immediate and proximate cause of his uh, disc uh, herniations. And uh, unfortunately, 29-year-old guy, right, he wound up having to go to surgery. Uh, conservative treatment was not effective. He wound up uh, having to go to surgery uh, to uh, correct the problem. Uh, had a pretty good uh, surgical outcome. But this was obviously a, a case with uh, good facts, you know, that we could uh, prove up uh, and back it up with evidence from the literature. Did the attorney have you do estimated future medical care and costs on this report before that surgery was done? Yes, he did. And that, uh, that certainly was uh, a, a part of what he wanted me to do and what was included in this report. So you bring up a good point. It wasn't just a letter that was a causation opinion, but I also gave my opinions regarding future medical care and costs. And maybe there's listeners who haven't heard one of our earlier episodes or whatnot, but could you estimate, do you remember how many hours of work this, this review and 
crafting the future medical care and cost took you in total, roughly? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think this was like a, it took about eight hours to put this report together, doing the research, That's great. talking to the client, reading the medical records and so forth. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. Good case. Yeah, it was very interesting. So tell us a little bit about finding experts. So as medical legal consultants, we're brought in usually from the outset of cases. And as you know, Armin, I love doing standard of care merit analysis uh, Mm -hmm. on medical negligence cases or PI cases. And often, because you and I don't personally do expert work, we're we're really handling the pretrial pre-litigation aspects. Whenever the case has merit and we find that there was a deviation and it's our opinion that there was a deviation from standard of care and that causation matches up with, with the harm that was caused, we are often asked to ultimately find a medical expert that can compose legal affidavits of merit, will be deposed, uh, testify in court if needed, and these experts must be top-notch. As we, we all know, right, that can make or break a case. Right, right. In fact, like, you know, it wouldn't be just in those um, standard of care cases, but in any kind of PI case uh, that is going to go to trial or a, a worker's comp case that's going to go to administrative hearing, that when the case can't get settled on the basis of what the medical legal consultant can do for them, well, then, of course, as I said earlier, our attorney clients will need medical experts in every area of injury, and we can help them find and retain those experts. Exactly. So I, I view this as a, you know, it's not like it's not my primary love and passion is is finding experts. I, I really love digging into the medicine and all the things that we've already talked about on the show. But right. this critical follow up is quite fun because. We get we know the case often inside and out at this point. I mean, I've had requests to just find experts, but again, it's more common on cases I might be involved in. What we're able to do is both the research to find qualified, well-credentialed experts in the specialty or subspecialty of the various fields needed, and then make these physician-to-physician calls and vet these experts. A lot of them we've worked with on other cases, which we have built this network. And among the various consultants doing the type of work we do, we have, we share experts and we, we share ones that are are, are potent, powerful, well-credentialed, but then we also put in the legwork to whether it's through literature, whether it's through uh, friends of friends within the business, we Mm -hmm. are able to find and make these calls and vet the opinions of these various experts. Right. You know, Mike, in my experience, tell me if this is the same for you. I've found that our attorney clients, it's kind of a smorgasbord, right? So some of the attorneys will say, well, just give me a list of three experts uh, and I'll take it from there. Uh, I don't, I'm not, uh, that, that to me undercuts what we're able to accomplish, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. But, but it's much more common that the uh, attorney wants us to actually discuss the case with a potential expert for us to get a feel for that particular expert uh, and then uh, 
really take over that responsibility of making sure that we're delivering the right expert with the right uh, credentials, with the right uh, medical background, and someone that we feel will do well at trial. That is exactly right. I think you're reading my notes here, Armin, because <laughs> they, the one thing that, that I vet is th their passion, you know, because mm -hmm. I've been in this area now long enough to know that my attorneys, if they're planning to go to trial, which, which they have to be to get their clients the best outcome, they want an expert that is going to stand up in battle and say, no, this is, this is how it's done. This is the way, this is the standard of care. And this is why I feel this way. And you'd be crazy to, to have done it or, or dealt with the matter the way that the, that the, def the defense uh, is discussing. And, mm -hmm. and by gauging that level of passion and the opinion, that's one step closer to my attorneys saving the time and resources that may be engaging a flat expert or someone who kind of is a little wishy-washy, but, you know, might want to bill them for six or seven hours to review the, 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 the work. And right. I always tell my attorneys, I can't guarantee an opinion. But the one word that I jumped into my head that as you were talking is, it's not just an expert referral, but it's mm -hmm. coordination of that expert gathering experience of getting of bringing an expert involved into their world into the case it's a coordination of that effort that we're able to play in the middleman as a physician legal consultant and i think like you said the the expert with the right clinical background the right legal experience whether it be you know not wanting someone with with massive amounts of legal experience because maybe they're they kind of would come off as a uh, as a bit of a hired gun in, in right, court. professional experience. exactly in yeah. knowing that or in also not relying on experts that maybe aren't seasoned and and could kind of be bullied in a deposition but finding that right middle ground of experts who do both defense and plaintiff work and and mm. asking all those questions up front and then i personally i'm not sure actually about your your system or your uh, you know, how you approach the introduction, but I write a letter to my attorneys and I do a, mm -hmm. a, a formal introduction and then I, I connect the two of them to make sure that they start off on the right foot, that they're, that the expert is easy to get in touch with and communicate with because if, if an expert is difficult to, if they're too busy to be bothered by a case, then they're not going to be helping my attorney. Right. Yeah. I think all those things play a factor. And of course, we're medical doctors and we want to know about the medicine, but part of being a good medical doctor, not telling anything our uh, attorney listeners don't know, but there's this obvious human element to it, too, as well. I mean, a jury needs to uh, like the person that they're listening to, right? Uh, and they uh, want to not only feel that the person has an understanding of the and an expertise and authority, but uh, is uh, someone that they can uh, probably relate to. Absolutely. And for what I consider to be an extremely reasonable fee, well under what the national agencies charge for just a, a name and a phone number, I feel like you know, on most matters, I'll talk to two, three, four, sometimes five various experts to make sure that, you know, because I have a relationship with my attorneys, and I know you do too, where I feel like an extension of their firm. So for me to call and find the right expert 
I take that seriously. And I'm usually invest well invested in that case too, because I've, I've started to take on ownership of the outcome for my attorney's client who I feel like is my client as an extension of that firm. Yeah, yeah. You know, that reminds me of something that, uh, experience that I had recently. So I was doing a, a case, uh, in, it was actually a standard of care review case uh, related to a fellow that got a malignant um, melanoma and some of the things that happened. And um, so when I was doing my research for that, I was using a medical textbook, a surgical textbook, as kind of my big base of information. So when it came time, when the case couldn't be settled and it came time to find the expert, uh, I called the guy that wrote that chapter of that book. And he happened to be in private practice in Milwaukee and uh, talked to him, uh, vetted him. And he wound up being the uh, guy that wrote the textbook chapter, right? So he wound up being the expert for the attorney for this case that happened to be in Denver. That reminds me too. That's awesome. What a great story. I feel like these medical experts, not all of them, but a lot of them will will get into a bit more of the, the weeds with us, right? Like whenever mm-hmm. we call and we're, we're asking about various thoughts on, on the care, just to make sure that we have the right expert. I mean, we respect that they're, they, they're running a business and their time is valuable, but we can, we can ask a few of those questions that maybe our attorneys wouldn't be as comfortable asking because they're not, they might not be as familiar with the surgery or the technique or the, the medical terminology. Whereas we can pretty quickly, I would say most of my conversations are pretty efficient and I have a very good sense of if I found the right expert or not. Yeah. So can you say something a little bit more about uh, where you go to find some of these experts? Well, frankly, Armin, I mean, you, you, uh, I search the literature. I look for, for leaders in the mm-hmm. space. I, th- I look into the geography of where the expert is located, meaning I have I service firms in various cities, and so I want to make sure that look, travel costs are, are not prohibitive uh, with depositions or, or if there's court appearances. But in reality, I'll look anywhere, and we're mm. lucky nowadays with the World Wide Web right. that we can pick up the phone and or write an email to almost anyone. And I start at the top. You know, I, I look at the best uh, institutions around the country, whether it's Stanford, mm-hmm. UCLA, Harvard, Yale, Hopkins. And not that that's where they have to be from to be an excellent expert, but quite right. frankly, those names carry some weight in court. And so I use a lot of different touch points to try to make sure I'm finding the right expert. And frankly, depending on the specialty that's necessary to find, uh, there's there's more or less options available to me. I, I don't know yeah. if I answered your question, but there's no one spot. And frankly, we have this network of experts within our medical legal consulting world that I often right. reach out to my, our friends as well. So you've probably made uh, some good connections uh, over the years and uh, have a number of these people kind of in your hip pocket. Exactly. Sure do. Yeah. Anything else on that, Mike? No, let's wrap it up for the day. I'm glad to be back. Okay, me too. So uh, if you have comments or questions, please send us an email at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. If you are enjoying the podcast, please give us a five-star rating uh, through the system that you use to listen to podcasts. And we look forward to talking with you next time. 
Thanks for listening to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. For more information about the show and to listen to all the podcast episodes, go to physicianshelpingattorneys.com. You can also email Armin and Mike at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Thank you.